welcome to Remote Gaming Podcast, episode 23. The RGP is a podcast that comes to you from two random gamers on the internet. We're not journalists, we're not professionals, we're just like you. We love video games. Join us monthly as we discuss the hottest topics and takes in gaming, as well as a main topic to culminate in that great pastime we all love, video games. I'm one of those gamers and one of your hosts, Joseph King. Joining me today is a good friend and introducing for the first time on the RGP, Matt Horton. Matt, welcome. Joseph, what's up, man? How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm so happy to be here. This is awesome. So we're glad to have you. Um, for those listening that uh, listen to RGP, they're like, that's not Kevin Corkum. Well, I got the closest thing I could find to rhyme with Kevin Corkum would be Matt Horton. <laughs> and it doesn't really rhyme. Um, but no, uh, Kevin, so let's just kind of, I guess, go ahead and go into what's going on with RGP. Uh, Remote Gaming Podcast is evolving. Um, we... Have not done a podcast since January 12th, and me and Kevin got to talking, and it just, uh, we, we miss it. We hate that we're, our schedules just aren't lining up. He's he's working so much, he's doing so many different things, and I'm currently in school, taking classes, and working as well, and he, he me, mine and his schedules just cannot coincide sometimes. Um, but we wanted the show to go go on. Kevin's an actor. The show must go on, as it is, as it were. Um, with that being said... Matt here is going to be a new permanent residence of the Remote Gaming Podcast. Um, you may get a, a podcast with me and Kevin. You may get a podcast, as you are today, with me and Matt. You may get one with Kevin and Matt. Um, and there may be some other guests in between. But the point is, we wanted to be able to deliver a podcast uh, focusing on gaming, talking about what we love doing, and for the faithful few that we have as followers, we wanted to keep this puppy rolling. So, Matt, I appreciate you. Welcome to Remote Gaming. Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's it's going to be fun. Um, before we kind of get into what we were doing, I wanted to let the listeners get to know you a little bit. So, what okay. what drives you as as a gamer? What why 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 are you so passionate about video games? Oh uh, man, for me, it just you know. I'm, just I love the escapism of it, man. I love just being able to come home and you know turn on my PlayStation or whatever and just kind of go somewhere else for a while. You know, we got a lot of mm-hmm. stress, a lot of bull crap going on, uh, especially at our jobs. Um, so it's nice to be able just to you know come home and go you know kill dragons or you know be a samurai for a while or you know whatever it's going to be. Uh, Beat a day. prostitute up and take her money back. Yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, just, just something <laughs> different that I would probably never do uh, in real life in a normal day to day. I would hope not. <laughs> but if you killed a dragon, that'd be pretty fucking cool, right? Um, what do you? What What's your favorite game genre? Uh, right now, I think I'm mostly into sort of like the action RPG. It's kind of what okay. I've been really leaning towards. Pretty much ever since uh, Witcher Three, kind of been sort of where I spend most of my time these days. Um, yeah, you, I know you're a big a Witcher fan. Skyrim, yeah, Skyrim, things like um, that. Yeah, now uh, Ghost of Tsushima is a big one right now as well. Still working my way slowly through that. Um, you know, I'm glad you put that in that in that realm of being an action RPG. A lot of people just see yeah. that as like a third person action game, but it that Ghost of Tsushima mm-hmm. definitely has RPG elements. Yeah, it's got elements, but I mean, what game doesn't have RPG elements anymore, right? I mean, that's uh, true. That's yeah, true. Freaking Call of Duty has it now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite game 
of all time? Uh, not really a game so much as a series. You got to lump them all together. That'd be the OG Mass Effect trilogy. When I say the OG, uh, we don't talk about Andromeda. That nonsense uh, doesn't exist, as far as I'm concerned. So, so you don't, you didn't enjoy your time with Andromeda at all? No, I, no, I did not really. I powered my way through it, but that was more just because, well, I'm committed and I'm supposed to be a Mass Effect fanboy, so I'm gonna, you know, get this done to the best of my ability. But no, I really didn't enjoy it at all. It just wasn't a good time. It wasn't what I wanted out of a Mass Effect game. What What was your biggest gripe with that one? Um. Other than the technical I, issues it had at launch. Yeah, no, that's always kind of minor. It's more just, I didn't really care for the, the characters. Um, like, the, they just weren't that interesting or weren't that fun. And, you know, that plus the fact that you didn't really get to take any real control over your team. Everything was just happening automatically. I found kind of frustrating and not really Mass Effect. Yeah. The yeah, that, the, yeah. That was, that was kind of one of the things. Like, I, I didn't really care for 3 all that much, and I never played Andromeda. And I don't think I finished 3, but uh, I'm excited about the, the trilogy pack that's coming out. I am too. I'm probably going to have to pick it up. Definitely, definitely going to be but, a day one purchase. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought you were about to say something. My bad. No, no, no. Um, we're, we're working out the kinks. Uh, we ha- I have not been able to do this podcast in some time, and this is Matt's first time, so bear with us on the, this episode. We'll try to edit out some of the stuff as much as we can, uh, but here and there we may have some hiccups. Uh, but like you said, going forward, you know, RGP is going to continue. Uh, Kevin Corkum will be back. He has given the green light. He We're not doing this behind his back. He knows what, uh, everything that's going on. He is and will always be the brainchild trust uh, second, I guess, or first co-host of this show. He's all me and him are the hosts. Uh, Matt's here for the long for the ride and anybody else. Uh, they're a part of our family. So hope you guys welcome Matt. Uh, today's show is going to be pretty big. There's a really a main reason why Matt is here and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Matt uh, is a Marine and one of the main topics that we're going to be discussing today is the controversial video game Six Days in Fallujah. And uh, giving Matt uh, the unit, I, if I correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, the unit you were deployed with, um, they they had just finished a tour in Fallujah. Is that correct when you got there? Yeah, whenever I joined my unit, they had just gotten back from the second battle of Fallujah. So I'm somewhat so, familiar, at least through stories of these other guys, what it was like and... Yeah, and I'm glad you're here because there is a lot of controversy going on in the world with this video game today, and uh, whether there's petitions for it to even be canceled. So it's going to be really exciting for me to get a deep dive into your thoughts on all of this once we really get into some of those things. Um, But the format will continue as always. Matt, why don't you tell me what you've been playing? You know, man, uh, I've been kind of all over the place. The majority of my time this last couple weeks has actually been with a game called Overcooked 2. Uh, it's a ah. cooperative game. You run around with cute little characters and you cook food. And it can either uh, strengthen your relationship or utterly destroy it. Uh, but me <laughs> and uh, my fiance have been having a lot of fun uh, playing it. She's not a big gamer. And the few games I can get her to really enjoy with me are stuff like this, you know, couch co-op kind of stuff. So we've right. been playing together. Uh, we've been getting our kids involved, you know, our 12 year old, our seven year old been playing with us. And it's just been yeah, a lot of fun. So uh, I know overcooked. Um, I know it's been like, uh, I, I have the first one I got for P- uh, PlayStation plus when it was mm-hmm. f- uh, f- a free monthly game. Tell me a little bit about it. Like, I know it's kind of like you, it's kind of like 
a party game, right? Where you and like, say three other people, your job is to cook something and you can get in the other mess up the other players. Pretty meal. much. Yeah. Is it's that correct? Like the, uh, yeah. The best thing I can ever compare it to, have you ever played the game, uh, the, the diner dash games? No, I have not. Yeah. Well, it's basically essentially, you know, you have all these meals to prepare and basically you have to do them in a certain order. And you also, it throws okay. in stuff like, okay, well now I don't just have to put the food on a plate and run the plate. I have to cook the food or maybe this time I've got to cook the food and I've got to like chop some lettuce and put it with that. And then also, Oh, now there's dirty dishes. I've got to wash. And so there's a lot going but on. But you can once. sabotage the other team player. You, correct? Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's all, it's mainly designed to be a co-op games. So you're all on the same team. Okay. You can certainly accidentally screw up your team. Uh, you can play versus as well, but then you're, when you do it versus you're kind of in two separate areas. So you can't really mess up the other team so much so it is objective based and it just gets a little bit chaotic i guess pretty much yeah and then okay the stuff you have to do to actually get the food out gets more complicated and also the environments will kind of move or there's spots where you can like fall off or uh maybe like the ingredients you need are like constantly shifting around so you kind of have to rethink your game plan every so often stuff like that hmm and it, I think I think that's cool that you're playing that with your family and everything. Like my wife, she doesn't play video games, but I have gotten her to touch things like Fall Guys, and mm-hmm. and we'll we'll play like Layers of Fear and creepy games together. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think when you can incorporate video games to somebody that's not used to that, that's awesome. Yeah. What else you been playing? Um, I've been kind of all over the place. I've been dipping into Skyrim every now and then. Um, and honestly, I recently uh, beat Titanfall Two. I finally saw it for free on a the uh, PlayStation and I uh, I just picked it up and I didn't realize number one, how great this story mission was. And two, just how short it was. I had it beaten a day. I really want to make someone to get into short. Yeah. Really want to get into the multiplayer on it. I'm sure there's not much of a uh, lot of people playing right now. I know apex is a lot of the similar mechanics and all that, but I just suck at battle Royales. If I'm being perfectly honest, Um, but you know, you played with me. Um, Titanfall then, 2 is an amazing game. Like, yeah, it really is. That whole I, I'm glad travel, you got to experience yeah. that campaign. Yeah, IGN, that actually, I don't know if you saw this, they did a, uh, IGN did a uh, top 10 uh, FPS campaigns, and that actually got number two of the I could, I most top, top FPS campaigns of all time. I think uh, number one was, uh, I want to, uh, Half-Life 2, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then... And then I think uh, I was really surprised. I think Bioshock was like eight, which I was kind of disappointed in that one. Hmm. Well, that one is pretty. I mean, I guess the ending on that one's kind of what makes it shit the bed, you know, because right. you get the end. It's like, oh, OK, now we're just going to do the big old boss fight thing and all this other stuff and building up to, towards doesn't really, you know, matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, we got Titanfall 2's multiplayer. Actually, you would be surprised. It is. I know you haven't maybe touched it yet, but it is actually still one of the most played uh, console multiplayer FPS. It's still very hmm. lobbies are very heavily populated. Okay, yeah. I'd be I'd be excited out. to get back into that. All right, yeah, we should give it a shot. Yeah, I'm down. And uh, you said some Skyrim. You just kind of starting over, continuing the same. Oh, I've start. I started over this time. I finally decided <laughs> I'm going to play a like a mage type character. Like literally, I've played this game like 17 times. I've never made like an actual dedicated like spellcaster type character so i'm doing that for the first time and that's interesting it's a challenge you used to be able to just wade in and you know you know fustro da everyone just smash them and do the heavy armor shield one-handed thing so it's been a different 
learning to a new play style. Yeah, I, I, I think I have seen the end of the main story. You know what happens in Sovngarde and everything, but mm-hmm. I have never to this day have complete, completed the war campaign. I've started probably twenty characters. I probably am never going to finish that game, and it's a shame because. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you beat both sides of the story, like the main story and the the war? Uh, yes, I have actually. I've done okay. that, um, and then I actually for PS3 I was getting into the DLC, but once I hit like. The second DLC had that thing where the, the save file got so big that it was just screwing up like the memory. Yeah. And it was essentially unplayable after a certain point, literally like two or three frames a second. And it was kind of the same thing that happened yes. on with New Vegas. After a while, it was just and unplayable. Sky- yeah. Skyrim on PS3 has notoriously always been bad. And I do remember that when the save file, when the DLC came out, they was just never really truly patched. And mm-hmm. and unfortunately, majority of the player pace were kind of hosed on that, yeah. um, that game. Um, what what else has that been? Pretty much your go tos right now, uh, or pretty much? I did restart uh, Dishonored two the other day. Great game. Uh, oh yeah, and I'm just take I'm taking it easy. I'm literally playing it on easy. I just, I love the world building in that game, and I love being able to take my time and sneak around and find all the cool little notes and bone charms and all that stuff. So I'm just taking it easy, kind of just chilling, just getting lost in the world for a little. Are bit. you doing a, a Corvo run, or are you doing it with his as his daughter? I'm doing a Corvo run. I, I beat the game as uh, Emily. That's right. The one Emily. time I beat it. So, uh, but I'm, um, yeah, doing Corvo right now. Just like I said, keep it simple, keep it easy. Good deal. It's, Good it's deal. just sort of my chill out and shut off for a little while game right now. Yeah, the, the stealth mechanics in Dishonored are some of the best I've ever played in the way mm-hmm. that the, the, first person movement and the fluid fluidity of that game is kind of astounding. And it, it's as good as it, it has no business being as good as it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I've been playing hunt showdown. Um, this is a game that is developed by Crytek. It's actually been out for years. Uh, came in early access and I think 2014 or 2015, uh, to PC and has kind of since then, uh, released in patches and waves over as many early access games tend to do. Uh, it is got released for console last year and it was pretty terrible on there, but I've got some friends that have picked up into it and the community is actually growing um, because there is a uh, in-game event going on right now, some DLC coming new boss, new map. So once things like that get, get new breaths of life community tends to pick back up. And so I'm kind of bought into the hype on that at the moment. Uh, for those that don't know, Hunt's a, uh, it's a competitive multiplayer game where it's PVEVP. Uh, you can either go in solo or go in with a team of three and you go objective base, hunt these clues, try to fight a boss. And once the boss dies, you extract with its trophy. Uh, but at the same time, everybody else on the map is trying to, I think there's 12 players a map and everybody else is trying to accomplish the same goals as you are. So it, it can get pretty, uh, pretty intense. Um, there are quite a bit of cheaters on PC. It's pretty blatant, which most multiplayer games nowadays tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's kind of a shame with that one. Um, I Since we last recorded um, episode 22 back in January, I have been able to get my hands on a PS5. And if you listen to the show, I have been putting off playing Ghost of Tsushima until I got it. And my God in heaven, that game is fucking phenomenal and matt i know exactly why you hyped it up so much you kept telling me to get it hurry up and get it get it and i finally got it and man i'm jin sakai may be 
my at least top three favorite, you know, just Sony first party uh, single player. He might be my one of my favorite protagonists ever in gaming. Yeah, I, man, I, I love everything about that game. It's gorgeous. It's so fun to play. They did such a good job with the combat system. Uh, I would love a lock on button. Yeah, that's that was but, my big complaint. Uh, but other than that, I feel. But even then, a lock on button would probably make it hard to do a lot of the counters. You know, uh, yeah, see someone jumping up behind you, they wouldn't be able to see them. That might make it hard. Um, but it's just everything about it's fun, man. It's just. And it's one of the best looking games I've ever seen, even just on a base PS4. I can't imagine what it looks like on a PS5. Yeah, doing it in performance mode, uh, where you know most a lot of games these days they offer performance and resolution mode. There is no difference between resolution and performance. So in resolution mode, it still gets 4K 60, and on PS5, and it is just phenomenally gorgeous. Um, the the isometric camera, it kind of, it, I mean, it's not isometric, but it, it gives kind of an isometric feel when you enter combat. Because of that not being able to lock on, that was really jarring. It was hard to get used to. But once you really kind of get it down and you level Jen's abilities, it does make the game a lot more enjoyable, in my opinion. Yeah, there has been a couple times where the camera has kind of screwed me on some of those uh, showdowns. It just the camera gets yeah. positioned just right, where like their feet are behind a uh, like a branch or something, and that like watching their feet's how you win those things. When their feet start moving, you know when to go. So yeah, if you can't see that, I never gonna lose that one. I never did that. I was always watching their arms. No, watch their feet. That's like their first indicator when they're actually gonna attack. You'll see this when their, their feet won't move unless they're actually going to attack. But they'll juke their upper body to, yeah. to faint. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll start doing that. I never thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm about. I don't know. I think I'm in Act Two right now, kind of taking my time with that. I haven't really touched the PS5 in a bit, and then I have been playing through Demon Souls as well. But uh, mm-hmm. um. But yeah, Hunt Showdown is really kind of just kind of that's all I have time for at the moment because I'm just enjoying hopping in, hopping out. Um, mm-hmm. It's working with my school schedule nicely. Uh, the last game I'm going to talk about, I you know, it's going to be our first topic today in the news once we transition over to it. And that's kind of why I'm going to bring it up. I've been wanting to play this since Friday, uh, excuse me, since Thursday when I was able to download it for Xbox Series X for Game Pass. Uh, Outriders is out and... It is, for those that don't know, it's a uh, third-person action-adventure loot shooter RPG, but single-player, but not, I guess. It's, it is co-op. Um, but I, I, th- I think my impressions were completely off-base when I first heard of this. I thought this was going to be uh, completely like Destiny, but it's, it's a one-play game co-op, and it does end. So it's like basically like online Gears of War. Um, it's like Gears of War meets Mass Effect is the best description I could give it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was only able to get into the prologue, basic or the the, the very beginning, and I uh, because the servers have been down, and that will be our first news topic. But uh, it does seem like it, it. I will say this: that the art style, the character designs, everything seems a little bit cheaply produced. However, the story, the writing, the voice acting is actually not that bad for what I thought I was going to be getting. I did not think I was going to get this quality of uh, I'm very interested in the story. And that's very that is the biggest surprise to me in this is is for something that is designed to be, I guess, more of a looter shooter that usually is non-existent. The closest thing to that would be Destiny, but they're even its story is very convoluted. That's so. yeah, that's putting it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> 
but uh, it's the story is very interesting. So I'm kind of excited to play that. And uh, Matt, once you get that, we'll definitely hop in on some co-op because it is completely crossplay on everything. So oh hell yeah, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. planning on picking it up uh, this this week after we get paid, and hopefully by then the servers problems will have been ironed out largely. That's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. And, and you know, I'm I, we, we'll transition to the news, and I'll let you take the floor on that because uh, after I read the article itself um, and kind of give your two thoughts on it, because you made a good point. Um, so the first topic of the news, if I can get this to work, uh, this comes via VG247 by Tom Ori. Outriders might be great, but it gives a terrible first impression. A game's opening moments really set the tone and level of expectation. Outriders intro fails completely. Outriders has found itself in a rather nice spot. April is barren of new releases until the very end of the month, giving people can fly as shooter a nice bit of runaway to establish itself with a gaming community eager for something new. Early impressions suggest Outriders might be worth an investment on Xbox Game Pass, but boy, does it get off to a rocky start. Uh, the article goes on to talk about um, things don't get very memorable for the player. Um, there's quite a few glitches. Uh, on PC, the launch has had, it's basically, I think, still completely unplayable. Um, it, it skips a lot, uh, The not just the frame rate, but because it's online, I think it's having, because of those servers issues, um, it's having really, really bad issues to where the game is freezing for people. Um, and for me personally, the, the servers just were not online, uh, for almost all day yesterday, which was their yesterday was their official launch day and they just didn't work. So Matt, what are your, what are your two cents on this being a tr- first real big triple a game release of the year? Um, what, uh, yeah, what, how do you feel about this game? I mean, I think it. You know, just like they say in the article, man, it's like they should be set up for success. They don't have a lot of competition. I think if it ultimately is well done and enjoyable and they can build that good player base and they'll be they'll be just rolling it and doing fine. Problem is, you know, shit doesn't work. Uh, But that's hardly unusual these days for all these big games. Like when's like when is the last time you picked up like a major AAA release on launch day that worked completely like out of the box with no issues? Certainly an online one. Yeah, and I think that's the big, big uh, caveat to this is that most online games on launch day have server issues. Like Call of Duty wasn't even playable. Uh, Modern Warfare on launch day is very rarely playable uh, from the get go. It always has hiccups in some capacity. So for people can fly's first game, and this is an online co-op shooter, um, it is kind of disappointing. I do have some gripe about it being completely online, though, because the campaign is completely playable single player and the fact that it will log you off like to not be able to play just the story without being online only is kind of that kind of sucks so people can't really even get a good grasp of the game itself mm-hmm. as far as the mechanics and the shooting goes yeah but i mean that's just that's just the world we live in right now hell even straight single player games require that stuff sometimes so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is mm-hmm. offline, and that game was yeah. completely unplayable for a lot of people. Yeah. You were you were one yeah. of them. I was one of them. I mean, it wasn't completely unplayable, but it was a very, very bad time and not worth my time. That's that's what I'll say. Yeah. So hopefully uh, people can fly and Outriders can uh, get everything worked out. I've been following them on Twitter for the last couple of days, and they are being very vocal uh, with the community. They're posting like a tweet like every five minutes, which is kind of overkill, but at least they are being transparent for the most part. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like a cool game. I'm excited for us. You know, once I get that technical stuff ironed out, I, I think I'll really get into it. 
I think once I'm able to get my hands into it, I think it'll be something worth playing. I, I, I kind of, uh, if you listen a couple of episodes back, I don't know if you heard it, but I really kind of was like, this game is going to fail on, on release. And I think the, the combination of being such a actually fun game to play for as far as the gameplay and combat goes, and plus being on game pass has made it uh, be incredibly successful from the get go. So uh, I, I'll eat my words. You'll hear it here first. I was wrong. I don't, often admit that but i was wrong about outriders hopefully they get it working um number two remedy's next game with epic will be alan wake 2 um alan wake is back it looks like remedy will be going back to alan wake with its next big project a little over a year ago remedy announced a signaling a publishing deal with epic games to produce two games for pc and console according to venture beats jeff grubb one of those is alan wake 2 grubb revealed this on his twitch show explaining that remedy has been looking for a publisher to help fund alan wake 2 for many years and epic offered the best deal the reporter didn't reveal any other further details about the game just that it was something Remedy wanted to make. Um, while it's not quite surprising that we, Remedy will be going back to Alan Wake as the developer has been trying to connect its different games with each other in the same universe, which I always think that that's kind of cool. Like it seems like they're trying to do like you know Control and uh, what was the one uh, Quantum Break, yeah, and and things like that uh, to to put Alan Wake in that universe. I think that's going to be something interesting. D- Matt, did you play Alan Wake? I no, I I've never played it. I'm uh, passingly. Like, uh, I know something about it, um, but I've never actually got it. Like, I'm kind of half familiar with the story. That's the one where he's like a writer. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's, he's going off and, and paranormal things start to happen to him. Yeah. And is that the one that had the mechanic with the, um, with the light, the flashlight? Like you'd have to like, yeah, you just put the flashlight on the bad guys to like break the shadow off him or whatever. And then you'd have to shoot him yes. after that. Something like that. Okay. Yes. Like I said, I'm passingly familiar, but only through like a few videos and people mentioning it. But. Yeah, I, I played it on uh, Xbox 360 many, many years ago. Um, I wasn't that crazy about it. Remedy games are just something that I'm not, besides Max Payne 1 and 2, they just never, I don't know, like I, I heard Control's really good. Quantum Break I did not like. Um, so there's just something about the gameplay mechanics. They make really good stories, though. The, mm-hmm. the stories that they write with their games, I hear, are just phenomenal. And I I probably will go and play Control. I'll probably never go back to Quantum Break. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, it's cool for... I know Alan Wake really basically developed a huge cult following because from what I remember, I believe it ends in a cliffhanger. And so that's kind of why it, people have been hammering for a sequel for many years. And I think that's why I developed a cult following. So for fans of it, I think that's that's great news. I'm always I'm always a I'm always gonna support something that returns that hasn't been heard of in forever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Like where, where's our Soul Reaver Legacy of Cain? I want that. Oh man, back. that'd be so amazing on modern consoles, man. God, couldn't you imagine like just oh. a 4K, just seeing how beautiful like a Soul Reaver game would be? But you mm-hmm. know, alas, may never happen. Um. <sighs> This next one, uh, Sony's MLB The Show is arriving day one on Xbox Game Pass. So this is interesting. Um, I'm sure you've heard of this uh, story, Matt. Mm -hmm. Uh, This comes via Taylor Lyles of The Verge and states, we already knew MLB The Show 21 would be the very first entry in the Sony published series to arrive on Xbox consoles. However, 
as of today, um, and this was wrote on April 2nd, uh, as of today, Microsoft revealed the next entry in the long-running baseball franchise will also be available on Xbox Game Pass for consoles when the game releases on April 20th. This is actually huge. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know MLB, the show is developed by you know Sony Computer Interactive Entertainment. Uh, I think it's one of their Santa Monica studios. Is it not? I I wouldn't know. I I, I honestly cannot remember. Let me look that up real quick. MLB the show, but uh, the fact that a a a long staying. Uh, Sony San Diego, San Diego, not Santa Monica. I knew it was San something, but uh, uh, a long-standing Sony exclusive was already, you know, they lo- the reason it came to Xbox is because the licensing ended with Sony as far as an exclusive rights to an MLB game, and they were able to get it on Xbox. But the fact that this game is still developed by a Sony studio and it's going day one on Xbox Game Pass, it's just kind of the proof in the pudding that... In my personal opinion, with the start of this generation, Xbox is coming out swinging and they keep swinging and they keep landing major body hits to Sony. If you want to look at it from a console war perspective, yeah. uh, what, do, what are your thoughts on this, Matt? Oh, no, I think you're right. I think it's huge. Um, you could also, I mean, I guess Sony didn't really have a choice on the game going to Microsoft, but I, I would hope it'd be something, you know, I want to see a lot more just collaboration between you know, Xbox and Sony and all these guys, like I, I hate these timed exclusives or like, why does anything have to be exclusive? Right. Besides, you know, you want to sell consoles, but once that initial stuff's done, then hell, let's all share and make sure everyone's just playing the game. Like you only win if everyone buys your game. Right. Um, right. But I think it's huge. I think it's uh, huge and awesome. And I think Sony really has a lot of work to do this console generation to come up with anything close to what, xbox is being able to do i mean just that games pass alone i mean you and kevin have talked about it repeatedly what a huge game changer that is and what what it's gonna keep being uh throughout this whole generation but sony needs to catch up because right now they're just you know, i mean they got some pretty games some good looking games right now i think they've got the console exclusives but they need something more than that i think to really get people yeah, they, to stick with them phil spencer is really kind of just you know, for all intents and purposes and pardon my French, but just laying his dick down on the table constantly (laughs) because he's, he's bringing in, he's giving people a reason to buy his console other Mm -hmm. than, you know, Sony going, well, we have the last of us. We have ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. They have great studios. Sony has the best, the talent. I'm not going to ever discount that. And I will always say that Sony's talent as far as studios go is very, excels things that are at Microsoft for the moment. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen with a lot of this Bethesda deal, and we don't know what these future games are going to consist of and things like that. But as far as what Phil Spencer and Xbox has been able to do as a brand this generation, starting off uh, by, you know, even the accessing the console to where you can finance it. Have you seen this? Mm Mm-hmm. It, it's you can get an Xbox Series X or a, a Series S through Microsoft's website or uh, I think uh, Walmart and Best Buy, and you can finance it basically. And I think that's a great way for people to um, get a console if they can't afford a five hundred dollar uh, thing all at once. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great. Th- it, it's just the accessibility and the things that they're doing for the. It's very consumer friendly, which yeah. Sony. 
uh, is not. And we'll get into another story of why Sony's not consumer friendly at the moment. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, man. Like they, great games, great exclusive games are only going to take you so far. And they really did. I think the reason why that that pulled Sony ahead last gen with PS4 versus Xbox one, Microsoft just didn't have anything really right. other than gears of war and halo five, which wasn't well received. So I, I think they were able to lean on that heavily and be like, yeah, we have these exclusives, mm-hmm. but now you look at like what happened at the end of last gen, the last of us part two and ghost of Tsushima both came out at the end of a generation. You're not going to see a game from naughty dog or sucker punch for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And those are two of their main ones. Um, we're getting in theory, we're getting horizon and God of war this year. I still happen. don't think, I don't think either one of those are happening, but that's what they no, claim no, no. that though. Those, yeah. those are both going to be 2021 games. Um, I, especially Ragnarok, there's been nothing shown of Ragnarok. So um, to, you know, this is the start of that. There's Sony Santa Monica and gorilla. So what are they going to have for the next four years? It's just, I, I, I think uh, Sony is in a really bad spot if they don't start doing some really consumer friendly things. And especially with how hard it is to get a PS five at the moment, yeah. like, but, and you can see that if, if Xbox and these AMD chip shortages work themselves out and, and they start getting their console moving more, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already the one that is being talked about more, in my opinion, I think, is the Xbox yeah. Series X as far as because of Games Pass. Um, yeah. So I just I don't know. Like, uh, do you think Sony will try to copy Microsoft and do a PlayStation Game Pass or what do you uh, think? I think if they're smart, they will, but they probably won't. Um, do you think I it's think- like a we don't want to be like them kind of attitude? I think that is or they probably are just <laughs> ever, uh, a little too big for their britches right now because they just whooped the shit out of Xbox on this last console generation. I see thing that happened like after the PS2, they had the same kind of attitude. And then, you know, compared to, you know, Xbox PS3 sold like garbage and it kind of was garbage. Um, and then, you know, Microsoft came into this last gen, you know, a little too big for their britches and didn't make some good choices. And then PlayStation was able to just, you know, really outsell them by leaps and bounds. And they were, then they were, winning because they had the superior product in terms of games right. and studio output. And now I think, you know, that's not the case. I think you can't say they have a better console. I don't know. I, I don't think that's the case at all. And like you said, they, they have these great um, uh, first party games, but they're, they're going to get one, maybe two of those this whole generation. And that's not going to keep them afloat and keep their sales no. going the whole time. So no. they need a reason for people to buy a consoles beyond first party games like Microsoft has. Like they just said, Microsoft has made it so easy in a lot of ways for consumers to get an Xbox and get into that <clears throat> ecosystem and start playing games. And Sony, that's what they need to do, but I doubt they will just because they're Sony. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I think you're right. And it's so weird that they completely flip flopped. I mean, you, for, from everything, like to me, the Series X is more aesthetically pleasing. It's a lot smaller compared to the PS5, like this PS5 is fucking ungodly and it doesn't fit in anything. Um, I have it sitting, standing up uh, next to me, but it like most people that it's not fitting in entertainment centers. Um, it, it, the, this, I, I was kind of impressed by the look of it at first. Cause it looked like a PC. Cause that's what it looks like. It looks like a PC, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just, 
as far as being a console, you do want it to be aesthetically pleasing to something that would, can be viewed in an entertainment center. And, and so yeah. like X- Xbox is already winning there. Um, in my opinion, and and then just the the things that they're doing, it just it just it it is very baffling. And I think uh, I think you're right. I think Sony's going to try to ride a high horse, and it's going to really kind of screw them. And I think uh, they did something recently too that I didn't have in the news, but because uh, this happened a, a while back. Um, but they shut down, you know, Sony Japan Studios, which mm-hmm. is insane to me because Sony Japan, that's that's how like you think about like the PS1 days and the PS2 like JRPGs that market that's that's where that market exists was at Sony like you knew you could get a really awesome JRPG they're not my cup of tea but I know it's one of the most widely loved genres and to take that aspect out of it you know while at the same time Microsoft is acquiring Japanese studios and you know they have Octopath Traveler on Game Pass right now, which is a very popular throwback uh, to kind of the old school Final Fantasy days game. And just they, they, they have all the Yakuza games on Game Pass and just the things that Microsoft is doing. It's it's they're learning from their mistakes. And uh, I'm, I've said, like, since this generation started, you know, Phil Spencer's coming out with body shots. But, man, I think he's he's starting to land some haymakers and uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I I love them both. I'm glad to be in that ecosystem to be mm-hmm. a part of both worlds. But um, with with the studio acquisitions, and I just don't think they're done yet. Like I think Microsoft is still going to keep spending money. Oh yeah, I mean, why not? They got the money to spend. It's you know, and you know, stuff like you know how what a huge purchase you know getting freaking Bethesda was. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I think I think they I think they learned their lesson and that they they want to be the ones who have all this other great ecosystem. Oh, and we're the ones who are making the you know first party games that sell consoles. I mean if they got all that then what the hell is Sony gonna do? You know? But Yeah, no, and I, I think like uh I, I listened to a podcast and that they've been talking about how, you know, game they've this this uh person feels that the game pass isn't um uh, is not gonna be, make them money and they're losing money with Game Pass. And I'm like, well they they can kind of afford to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's fucking Microsoft for one. And it, it, there's nothing. Yes, there are like, okay, the show, which that's not their game. That's Sony's uh, right. Outriders. Um, and then like some of their uh, games that um, they're getting these games at launch, but they're not putting everything like Valhalla is not on there. Watchdogs right. Legion isn't on there, which I honestly have a theory that I think they're going to try to maybe not buy Ubisoft, but I wouldn't be surprised if they pull like what they did with EA with Ubisoft to where, cause if you, you know, you can get EA access on game pass and you get all those uh-huh. EA games. So I wouldn't be surprised if here later this year, you get a bunch of Ubisoft games. But, but my point being is that they game pass to me, isn't a how, but more of a why like that's game pass will sell consoles. And if you're mm-hmm. selling, using it to sell consoles, then it doesn't matter if you're losing that, that minuscule money on software in the long run. Right, because then people are going to be buying their other software through you because they want to play on your console. So mm-hmm. they're going to make it up in the long run anyway. 
yeah so it's it's definitely going to be interesting um to move it all along real quick uh just kind of more woes for cd project red uh this comes <laughs> to you via ign by matt kim uh cyberpunk 2077 patch 1.2 seemingly introduces a host of brand new bugs to the game patch 1.2 now live and it is starting to seem like a vicious cycle where solving bugs can also result in some new ones the t- Cyberpunk 2077 red subreddit is filled with discoveries of bugs that have been appeared after the latest patch uh, in regards to optimization, particularly on consoles like the PS5 and Series X. But despite fixing typos and improving elements like automated police spawns and cars stuck in traffic, there do appear to be new bugs that weren't in the game before the patch. Still are the most popular source of all things. It has a bunch of... Uh, sorry, that was part of the subreddit. A couple of bugs have appeared since the patch. One involves a dynamic weather bug that seems to be giving some players a permanent sandstorm. And I'm if you click on the link on that article, it shows like a video of uh, somebody just walking around and it's just it's hard to see and i can imagine how frustrating that would be and it just kind of goes on with um if you heard last week uh the developer for cd project red said basically that they're going to scrap the uh multiplayer that was originally planned which i i could have told you from day one when that game came out with the problems it had that multiplayer is never going to see the light of day no so I mean, do, I mean you, do you? What do you? What do you think? Do, is CD Projekt like they they hit such a high standard and were seeming mm-hmm. to be like, ah, look, we can beat Bethesda. We're going to be the the king of the Western RPG. What yeah. what do you what do you think they do now? I don't know. I think right now they've all. I think right now they're all dead inside and they're just trying to do what they can to put the fires out. Um, <laughs> but this is. I don't think this is ever going to be a good quality game. I don't think it's ever going to be what it was purported to be or what we expected it to be um i think even after however many other patches and um next gen versions and all that it's just it's not the game we were promised it's a pretty fairly stock standard uh first person action rpg or rpg shooter whatever you want to call it but i don't think it's ever going to be a great game it might be playable one day but i don't think it's ever going to be great I, yeah, I agree. I, 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 like I said, you know, I played it on Series X and I didn't have the problems that you had had. Um, the, the, the thing that I think that they bit themselves in the foot with, and maybe you can agree with this, um, I feel like they wasted too much time trying to build that world of Night City and not focusing on gameplay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, because it just, yeah, it feels like, oh, it's this whole beautiful world with like nothing to do in it. You know, which yeah, you see the amount of detail is huge, but yeah. like you said, there's nothing to do. Yeah, like all so, the missions kind of boil down to go here, shoot some guys, go yeah. somewhere else, which is granted the pretty much the story format for most games of this type, but I I expected a lot more from C D Project after the kind of missions we were getting from The Witcher, stuff like that. Yeah, so do you think do you think what do you think is their best route? Do you think they should even try I I should they even try to continue to to work towards these next gen games that are haven't even we haven't even seen what it's supposed to look like on PS5 and Series X? Yeah. Or do you think they just kind of get it as stable as they can and start working on their next two projects? I think they owe it they at least they think they owe it to consumers enough to at least get the next gen stuff out, get the current gen stuff playable, if not good. And after that, yeah, any other DLC or multiplayer stuff scrap that shit and just move on to your next game like you 
big miss on this one, guys. Just whatever, chalk it up to experience, do better next time. That's what I think they should do is just redirect all that energy to trying to bail out a sinking ship and just build a new boat. Yeah. Do, do you, do you want to see their next game being the Witcher or do you want to see them another stab at cyberpunk trying to make it better? Honestly, yeah, I don't really care. I just want it to be the same quality as the Witcher. And granted, I right. remember the Witcher had quite a few technical issues at launch and all that. It certainly wasn't the game. Nothing we near this. No, it is now, but nothing like this. It was playable, if not at its best. But yeah, I really don't care. I'd love to see them actually do something good with the Cyberpunk license. Uh, it's a really cool, really interesting uh, setting. Um, I'd love to see another Witcher game. I think they would do awesome in that. But uh, I just, the next game, I just wanted to be the quality we expect from those guys because this yeah. last game was not at all. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because I think this is kind of akin to like. Uh, you look at the Witcher one and then you look at assassin assassins of Kings and those, that game was a step up and then the Witcher three was a step up. And then now this is back and maybe, maybe they just need to be the, an RPG uh, or a fan high fantasy type maker. Maybe this, yeah. the shooting or at least third person, maybe they should have stuck with third person. Maybe yeah. the FPS was a little bit more than they could chew because I don't think have they ever developed anything first person other than this game. No, um, I don't. Not, not to my knowledge, anyway. Yeah, I think it just they bit off a lot more than they could chew in a lot of aspects. Yeah, the main thing sure. being that they completely changed, you know, from third to first person. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I think uh, I think that was kind of a. Why would you do something such of an ambitious project with something you've with a mechanic you've never touched before? Yeah, it's very that's, very weird. Yeah, it is really weird. I mean, I get the ambition, <laughs> but at the same time, if you're going to do it, you got to take the time to do it right. And how long was the development process? Ten I years, about. Yeah, to eight eight years, I believe. Yeah, and so yeah, and it's and still ongoing. Then, it's not it's over. Still <laughs> ongoing. Like, and even then, they cut it out. They that game probably needed at least another six months in the oven, if not another year, just to be decent. Yeah, yeah. I, it definitely should have just. I just think they got to where they delayed it so many times. They should have never delayed it the first time. That's the problem, and I think that's part of the problem in itself. Is stop building hype. Stop putting. I hate when trailers come out that show absolutely nothing, and there's a placeholder date. Get that the fuck out of here. Don't yeah. even put that in there. Yeah. Don't even put the date. Like I hate dates on, especially if there's a trailer because uh, our next topic is going to be about E3. But if there's a trailer shown for a game that has no gameplay, it damn well better not have a fucking date attached anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. So that's my two cents on it. <clears throat> yep. Uh, second to last topic here. Uh, E3 2021 will have a paywall. Have you heard anything about this? I have not known that only the article you sent me. That's the most ridiculous shit. So okay, I cannot, I'm having trouble finding the actual original article. This is, but apparently they've came and you turned on a proposal to put some content behind a paywall. So uh, I'm going to kind of just read quite a bit of this to hopefully get us a good understanding of what's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. This is by Andy Robinson at videogameschronicle.com. Uh, the Entertainment and Software Association, uh, ESA, has seemingly U-turned on plans to put some of elements of its digital E3 2021 show behind a paywall. Multiple publishing sources told VGC that this month that the event organizer had pitched plans to charge a fee for some of 2021's planned content, such as on-demand game demos or a premium package with extra access. One source suggested that the premium package had been pitched to publishers at $35. 
However, in a statement issued after the publication of our story, (laughs) there you go, uh, the ESA provided additional comment denying it would charge for E3 content. I can confirm, quote, on behalf of the ESA that there will be no elements at E3 2021 that will be behind a paywall or paid pass, a spokesperson told VGC. In an earlier statement sent to VGC ahead of publication, the ESA said it would deliver a free experience for everyone interested in E3 2021, but did not specifically rule out paid features. According to the sources, the ESA discussed bundling some parts of its consumer offering as part of a paid access, which would be for the on-demand game demos or premium package with extra access. However, at least one major games company spoke to express criticism of the paywall and suggested that ESA had indicated it was willing to go back down on the proposal. So basically, to me, sounds like they were thinking about doing this and then the story broke. And then they said, yeah. no, 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 we're just, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We're just floating it, guys. It's just a suggestion. And that'd be <laughs> like, if that wouldn't be just the best example of a, a dying gasp of an irrelevant freaking uh, <laughs> event, I don't know what would be. It's like, oh, yeah, we're also going to make you guys pay for it to watch it online. It's like, nah, man. Like, nah, like, like, could you imagine like if they were like, oh, you want to see God of War Ragnarok? You could see it, but you got to pay $35 to see it yeah. or you can wait a month. Like, yeah, dude. And then, and then Sony gets to come in as a good guy. He's like, oh, no, we're going to show it for free. Same day. Then yeah. E3 is just going to be fucked because none of these publishers, major publishers, really give a shit about E3 anymore, if I'm not mistaken. Nah, they've all they've all dropped out, except I think did it did, did I think Microsoft pulled before it was canceled last year too so I know because I know you know Bethesda held their own thing which now they're gonna have to be part of Microsoft but uh you know EA did their own thing mm-hmm. Ubisoft does the Ubisoft forward mm-hmm. and Sony pulled like two years ago yeah. and and I'm pretty sure before uh COVID canceled it Microsoft had pulled so it's like what's the point of it anyway um, but yeah, like I love that little uh, analogy you gave. That is like just the fleeting breath of something that just doesn't need to exist anymore. Yeah. So, uh, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. It's a shame because I mean, I hate that E three is going away. I, it is that time of year is my favorite time of year though. Like mm-hmm. f- from May to about August, just the yeah. news that breaks in gaming is is just fun. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff's still going to be there. It's just not all going to be concentrated into this one event. So it's going to be a little more hectic schedule-wise, having to keep track of who's doing what one day. Which is funny that most of these publishers held their own shows before COVID was even thought of being a thing. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. they were doing this online stuff only stuff well before E3. This was, they started this, I think, and I think EA was the first one in 2017 to hold their own event. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now with covid and the social distancing protocols and things that are in place like why not just have everything online yeah it's going to generate just as much hype if not more yeah it was before it wasn't just about the hype it was also generating them a shitload of money because these publishers were paying all this money to get booths and all that and mm-hmm. you know and so but now they're not getting that money no more and yeah they can get some from advertising but it's not going to be like it was back in there in the glory days yeah, I think uh, I think this news right here with all that, I think um, E3 is done. It's it's not going to be a thing anymore. And yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it sucks from a nostalgic standpoint, but it totally with what you said, you know, it's a sign of the times and it makes perfect sense to just let it let it go. Let it go. But they won't. They're going to go kicking and screaming. Yeah. Beat that dead horse. Yeah. Um, 
So final final news topic, um, and there have been other things, but this was the one that kind of was the most relevant to, uh, in my opinion, with uh, kind of with what we talked about earlier with uh, Microsoft and Sony. Uh, Sony just kind of making bad decisions. Uh, another one has happened. Um, uh, this comes via thegamer.com. Kirk Mankind, uh, probably butchering that. Hasta la vida, baby. Report PS3, Vita, and PSP stores to be permanently closed in a few months. Uh, the PS3, PS Vita, and PlayStation Portable stores aren't long for this world. According to a source familiar with the situation, the stores are due to be closed down from July. The announcement is planned for the end of this month. Um, and basically, I'll, I'll stop that there with the article. It's already broke. The online actual, like if you go to a URL on a uh, computer or a laptop, they are already closed down. You can still access via a PlayStation 3, a Vita, or a PSP via the internet on the store on the device itself. However, in July... All of these stores are shutting down and it just, it's kind of, I don't know what Jim Ryan is fucking doing, but I mean, he's already basically without completely saying it is saying fuck backwards compatibility Mm -hmm. to, to, to just, these are over 2000 games are just going to be lost in the ether if they don't ever bring them forward. What are your thoughts on this, Matt? I hate losing the games. I mean, I, but I do understand like why they're getting rid of finally letting the consoles go. Cause I mean, but they quit making PS threes, what, like four or five years ago, something like that. Right. And it's so cheap to get a PS four now, especially with the latest console, there's really not much financial reason why you shouldn't be able to get one, but it really sucks losing these games. But at the same time, you know, were some of those PS three games really all that great or really all that. Some of them are certainly, but um, I don't know. I'm like, I disagree with the the thought of of that thought because in my opinion there's this, there's somebody out there still playing fucking you know Kinetica on PS2 probably you know what I mean yeah yeah like it I I, I the fact that Microsoft is letting you you could put in an Xbox disc in a Series mm-hmm. X and it'll fucking work you know what I mean yeah. that mm-hmm. that to me like you can play Coder Codor one and two on disc in a series X, but Sony is just getting rid of digital copies of the games that they mm-hmm. have were renowned for. And it's just, it, it's a shame. And hopefully this is just, there's a, a, a uh, Nintendo style shop, virtual console. Like they had with the Wii. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. That'd be brilliant. But again, to come Sony to PS5. Won't do it. Yeah. But Sony <laughs> won't do that. it'd be brilliant, but they won't do it. Yeah. So do you, that was my next thing is, do you think this is maybe just a, or are they just like, hey, that's our old hardware. Let's shut down the stores with it too. Who gives a shit? I think it's more the latter. Yeah, I think the smart thing would be them to do something like Nintendo is doing with the virtual console if they don't want to actually put the backwards compatibility functionality on their consoles. But uh, will they do it? No, they're they're so weird about like maintaining their own legacy sometimes. It's kind of, it's just strange yeah. to see. I I can't believe we went a whole generation and they did not put any PS2 games really on uh, PS4 and, yeah, and it just right. kind of I, I there and especially that generation like I can get yeah. some some of these PS1 games but like the the PS2 library to to those games can still some of those are still fun to play and if you gave like HD reses or anything or even like just let them be exist in their natural state um, as a yeah. download file. Uh, it's yeah. just kind of weird 
that they just don't care about that. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just have a, you know, moving forward mentality. It's like, oh, we're not going to look to our past. We're looking to the future because that's where the more money is. But I, yeah, it is odd that they're willing to just throw away all that time and effort and, you know, money that was spent keeping that stuff around for this long. It just seems odd they would just flush it down the toilet. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, it's existed for this long. Like, why, why do you... What do you care? And like, uh, you know, like to, to shut down Vita stores is kind of crazy because the Vita is still a really good console. It kind of failed because mm-hmm. they did they did a piss poor job of marketing that thing. But yes, I mean, there did. are there are companies um, that are currently developing. I know of one in particular that is currently developing a game for specifically for a Vita port. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that game's huh. not going to get to come out. Yeah. So, and, and, and that that game company was given a dev kit by Sony for the Vita at the start of the year. So it just, I, it just doesn't make any much sense. Well, now I guess Nintendo gets all that money instead. Yeah, there you go. This is exactly. Yep. And that's uh, hopefully uh, with us being fans of everything the you know, Mm -hmm. Nintendo can capitalize on some of this. And maybe if these games truly are lost to time, uh, get a hold of some of these developers and maybe try to Nintendo can purchase the rights to some of these games. Mm-hmm. Because if Sony's not going to use them, then why the fuck wouldn't they sell them for the money at least? But uh, yeah. yeah, well, it remains to be seen. So Matt, we've reached the p- portion of the show where it's going to be our topic of the show. And this is something that I, me and you have had very heated discussions on mm-hmm. off air for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about six days in Fallujah. Uh, For those that don't know, I'm going to give a brief backstory and then we'll kind of get into why the, uh, the the game itself has been such front and center with cancel culture lately. Uh, But six days in Fallujah um, via their website, six days.com is marketed as a first person tactical military shooter that recreates true stories of Marines, soldiers and Iraqi civilians during the toughest urban battle since 1968. Uh, Matt, when was the actual bat that, that week that took place? When was that battle of Fallujah? Um, what year was that? I'm going to have to Google it. What it should have been 2005, I believe. Let me double check though. Um, But yes, you can uh, go go to their uh, website and it kind of gives a, you know, news, facts, videos, oh, was, uh, trailers and things like that. November through December 2004 is when it was. Okay, November for 2004. I knew there was like yeah. 04 to 06 or sometime in that time frame. Yeah, well, the actual, the game does cover the actual, the second battle of Fallujah specifically, correct? Yes. and yeah, that, so, yeah, it, that it was is, 2004. And it was originally being made into a video game in two th- for release in 2008. Eight. Uh, however, it sparked up controversy in January of 2009 when Fox News got a hold of it. Um, and I guess a lot, it's kind of funny, a lot of people on the right wing at, back then were complaining about it. And that's actually what got the game canceled the first time was that mm-hmm. they felt that the game was just a little bit too quote unquote realistic. And if you can go back and watch some of that footage, it's quite entertaining because yeah. how video games are made today. Yeah. Um, a lot of that too. I think it was just little it was too soon syndrome for the most part. Yeah, and I, and I family members that had the big outcry of people. Yeah. It's hard to you know you don't necessarily want to live the moment where your son died five years later. You know what I mean? 
Um, right. That was a big part of that. And so now it is back in the news. Um, it started, this all started when IGN uh, posted the trailer for Six Days in Fallujah is showing the new uh, trailer. And it really kind of kicked off with this. Uh, I guess he's a independent developer. He's developed a few indie games, none that I've really ever heard of. Um, but he's an influencer on Twitter. His name is Rami Ismail. And he basically, um, I know he kind of fights for a lot of uh, diversity in video games, um, especially uh, people of Middle Eastern descent and things like that. Wants proper depictions of uh, the way that they're portrayed, which can totally be understandable. Um, I'm not complaining about that aspect at all. There's nothing wrong with that. Wanting diversity and, and having people of included is included of color and being portrayed properly. That's not the point. Uh, but he went on a Twitter uh, kind of uh, live stream as he starts watching the trailer. And it starts with, I watched Six Days of Fallujah gameplay trailer, so nobody else has to. Here's a quick video with live thoughts as I watched it. The trailer starts with a U.S. soldier telling about how they lost two-thirds of their unit in the second siege of Fallujah with a Back to the Future style fade of a photo. I waited for any mention of Iraqi deaths, but there's only ragdolls there. The first clearly spoken Arabic words are Allah Akbar. Shooting ensues. The game has a tactical squad command similar to binary domain. The go command makes it easy to command your team as it fires your weapon. It really shows what their design verbs were and that they were considering pulling the trigger very easy. It's not real humans you're shooting anyway, I guess. It's very one-sided. Um, I mean, it's a video game. It's a shooter. Like that. So you kind of get an understanding of where... Yeah. Uh, he he's coming from, and so what happened was this this tweet kind of snowballed, and a lot of people started retweeting it. Uh, so much so that the current I can't remember his name, um, but the current developer head of, of the studio um, that is developing the new game uh, from Warner Brothers um, and Rocksteady Montreal or or WB Montreal, I think. Uh, what's the new Batman game? That's Arkham Knights is coming yeah. out. Yeah. He started quoting a, he started a GoFundMe or a, excuse me, a change.org petition to cancel this game. Another developer tweeted for the cancellation of a video game. If you don't see the oxymoron in that, I, I, I don't know how else to explain that to you. So just riff with me for a few minutes on just the things that I just talked about, Matt, just oh, from the get go. Okay. Huh. First off, Rami Ismail. Um, He's not Iraqi. He's Dutch uh, and half <laughs> Egyptian. At that. <clears throat> um, second of all, okay, so it's a game about a historical battle. You're taking part of the combatants in the battle. Guess what you're going to be doing a lot? Shooting people. It's like, oh, it's not hard to shoot because they're not real people. Well, guess what? All the guys I talked to who have had to shoot other people, wasn't hard for them to do it either because those guys were trying to shoot them back. So it really it's not hard to pull a trigger on someone who's trying to kill you. And right. the guys I talked to when they were you know, in Fallujah, they, they didn't run into any good guys. They didn't run into any innocent families just trying to live. It's not, they, every single person they encountered while they were there was trying to kill them. So, and it's not like the, there's this narrative that seems to be being twisted out there by, by Rami and, and, and some other folks in the games industry that are, are insinuating, basically insinuating 
that our boys just went over there and murdered people, which that's yeah. my oh, big I, I love issue with that. That. E- that Ethan Gatch article was infuriating. So we're going to work our way down to that. Believe yeah, me, I have a lot yeah. to say about Mr. Gak. But uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's number one heinous that a developer is calling for a cancellation of any other developer's game. That's like saying, that's like, I don't know, any, art, any artist that's trying to censor another artist is just insane to me, regardless of the topic or regardless of uh, their opinions on the matter. Um. And this, you know, this whole this, this cancel culture bullshit, man. It's like these people haven't even played the game. They've seen a single trailer. A trailer. A That's what's blowing yeah. my fucking mind. And and so real quick to kind of contradict what Rami had posted. So, you know, he has that. I mean, you can go you can go look up his Twitter feed. It's it's huge. He <coughs> excuse me. He dissected the quote unquote dissected the entire trailer and posted it. And um, he, I have another tweet from Rami. And this was regarding the release of Modern Warfare back in 2019. This was tweeted at 1234, May 30th, 2019. Rami Ismail tweets, the Call of Duty campaigns have always been the highlight of a specific segment of gaming for me. Spectacular, blockbuster, tech to the limit efforts, which can often surprisingly powerful stories and characters. Can't wait for this. So go back and watch the footage for Modern Warfare 2019. Extremely violent. Um, you know, and my, my thing is, like, if you're listening to this, I have no qualms for video games being released. This is not about, I don't find uh, anything wrong with violent video games. That's not the point. The point of this is I'm contradicting, I'm calling bullshit. To, you can't talk about this video game and act like it's just the sin of humanity when you you got hyped for that one. Like that game is also about war. That game is also based on it even says at the beginning of that game when you start the campaign that it's not based on real events or actual people, but on stories. And so I just I I, I, I have a hard time trying to get in someone's corner when they're they're trying to say that uh, cancel something. But then this is okay. I mean, the crux of it seems to be he's perfectly fine with killing white people in video games. <laughs> but his issue when it's Iraqi people. Again, not Iraqi civilians. You're not going to line these people up against the wall and fucking execute them. It's going to be people who are trying to kill you. Terrorists. 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 And One of the other... Th- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, again, let's at least play the damn game first before we start calling about all these quote unquote war crimes. Because here's some of these articles, like people think the whole, you know, flute battle Fallujah was just itself one giant war crime. That was war crime by everyone there, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and and what's funny too, you know, kind of uh, some of these other contradictory things that are being brought up. Uh, one of them, one of the people that. Uh, signed the petition and retweeted all of this stuff was one of the main developers for rainbow six siege. Um, for those that don't know, rainbow six siege is a multiplayer game where you play team based objectives, uh, either as, uh, members of quote unquote anti-terrorists or terrorists. You actually in rainbow six siege play as a terrorist guarding a bomb and hostages or both. And it has, the ability to customize said quote unquote 
terrorists. But he wants that game canceled. So another article I have here. Um, this is a Kotaku article written by Ethan Hack. Um, excuse me, Gack. Uh, he put an article after IGN ran the interview with the developers of Six Days Fallujah and everything. He he put an article called You Don't Have to Run the Exclusive Reveal for the War Crime Game. That's the name of the article. Um, the first sentence is Rebooted War Crime Simulator. Six Days in Fallujah got its official gameplay reveal yesterday in a trailer that seems to confirm some people's criticisms of the game as one-sided propaganda for the U.S. war machine. That's literally the first sentence of this game, or excuse me, of this uh, this article. So if that's not completely, you know... Biased? First of all, it's, 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 it's incredibly biased. It's off base because there's no fact that this is a quote unquote war crime simulator. To me, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever um, to, to, to even start an article like that. And another article by Kotaku, this was their review for Battlefield 1. Battlefield 1, uh, for those that don't know, is based off of World War 1, the Great War, as it was called. Matthew McConaughey once said that you sometimes need to go back to move forward. The team at DICE have been very motivated to do that by the cinema, taking to heart the Battlefield series nearly 100 years back into World War I for its release. And then it goes on to talk about Battlefield 1 reinvents the tone of the series, retaining the awesome turbulence of the war while emphasizing a human element. The game shows the storming of the beaches at Galapi, uh, Jalapi. I always have had trouble with that pronouncing that uh, town name, but also takes time to have a young soldier vomit with dread as he observes the mass of dead bodies. Battlefield one maintains an impressive balance between emotion and spectacle, all the better for a series that's starting to feel a bit too clinical. I mean, guys, you can't, you can't do this. You can't, this is journalism one one like incredibly you're taught to be as a journalist, not to be biased. And you, you just cannot say and I granted, yeah, this was in 2017, but that's still, this is the same website. Kotaku's a fucking joke. And, like, I just can't get with this, man. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't like seeing an agenda of any kind when talking about a video game. And I, I get their concerns. I get how controversial the whole Iraq war is and the whole war on terror. And I get it. But I guarantee you, these Marines and sailors... We're not in there just murdering people and committing quote unquote war crimes. They were just trying to there and get their mission done and keep themselves and their buddies alive and go home and see their families. Yeah. And that's and I that, that, you that all the people, like I said, every single person I talked to who was there, they said like they didn't run into a single person while they were there. That was not trying to kill them for the first you know, several weeks. And all of the, uh, civilians that were there were given ample heads up to leave prior to the invasion. Granted, all of them were able to or were allowed to or whatever. The important thing is, you know, the effort was made to the best of our ability to, you know, not go in and kill a bunch of civilians and have bad stuff happen to them. But war is war. And when you're having a fight in a big, heavily populated city, unfortunately, some civilians are going to die. But that's not because the military went in there to, with the intent of doing that. That's fucking ridiculous. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, you hit the nail on the head. War happens. War is terrible. And, like, here's the thing. Uh, you want to call Six Days in Fallujah a war crime simulator. War crimes have happened in every single conflict on every single side of every single battle known to humankind. Um, you know, the Marines aren't all, all the, like the, the, they're cracked up to be in the commercials. Just like, you know, the British SAS have committed bad things themselves. Like, things, things happen. I'm, I've never fought in a war. But I'm grateful for those that have because, you know, we wouldn't be able to sit here and do a podcast about video games. Rami wouldn't be able to go on to Twitter and kind of just bash the military if that were the case, if we didn't have the kind of the freedoms that were in place. And I'm not really trying to get too political here, but it just you you can't use your that it's pushing an agenda when you're saying that this game is pushing agenda. No, you're pushing an agenda with trying to get something canceled and to just kind of drive it back on track of just cancel culture in general. Like just be like Adolf Hitler was one of the most evil people of all time, but his story still deserves to be told. You know what I mean? And it's like the game. If you want to make a game about, you know, terrorists killing Marines, go ahead. Let it be made and let's see how that well that goes over and and see if that gets made, too. But don't get mad with with they if the other side tries to cancel it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in this game, it looks it looks okay. It doesn't look. And also, you know, the thing too is like the impression I get from the game is it's not trying to be all about fucking Ura America stuck my red, white, and blue no. nuts. We're the best. No, I think it's really trying to tell a story. I think it's really just trying to show people in a way that really they've never been able to experience before, like what this was like for people that they may know. For like at this point, it'd probably be like their parents, but it might be someone's kids or, um, cousins or whatever. I think it's a really unique and interesting way to try to give people an experience that that's really hard for someone to uh, explain, you know, it's, you can't explain combat to someone who's never been in combat. You just can't. Um, right. It's just, but being able to try to, and yeah, but it is going to be a game and there are going to be some game elements to it, but I don't think the idea is, you know, it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be riding in on bald Eagles, freaking, you know, dropping grenades <laughs> in the middle of daycares. This yeah. I think they're, they're trying to make it t tense and scary and um, not particularly fun because that's what war is. It's all those things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, the impression I get from the game is it's trying to tell us, it's trying to be more of a documentary. It's presented in an interactive way, not fucking, not a bunch of chest thumping, like, fuck yeah, America kind of stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I never got intent. that. I never got that once. And you know what the, my big takeaway from that trailer? And did you watch all of it? Yeah. So my big my big takeaway from the trailer, the thing that I thought was the most kind of cool element to me, I was like that, that part where he's going, the player is going down the hallway and about to, you know, they're clearing the house and they're opening the door and it's very quiet. And the, the sound of that design in this game sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, it kind of just looks like a generic war shooter. It doesn't look that mm -hmm. phenomenal to me. To, it doesn't look like it deserves a, this much attention that it's getting. Let's wait till we see what it comes out with. But, but the thing that struck me as interesting was I was getting like some awesome survival horror elements to this game. Like, because I'm sure the tense, and that's what they were trying to recreate, is that how tense it could be. You don't know what's through that door. You don't know what's on the other side. And then, like, I like how that one soldier, he makes the comment, that the first guy in is always right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just, uh, that was the, my takeaway was, this is trying to recreate that feeling, the tense moments of what it would be like to really be in those shoes. And it was giving me survival horror vibes. Because those are the only other 
times playing a video game that I feel that way because mm-hmm. you don't know what's around the corner. And it is it, and like I'm sure there's going to be kind of quote, quote unquote jump scares. But yeah, that's I, that was my takeaway. And the fact that it's being treated as a takeaway of a of a five minute trailer is being treated as like mind Kampf is is kind of yeah. insane. Yeah. So it's, I just that's that's where we live in, man. People see it, you know, five minute clip and all of a sudden they're experts and need to get stuff canceled. And I get it. If you are a Middle Eastern descent, if you're Iraqi, whatever, you probably don't want to see or play a game where you're playing an American Marine killing Iraqis. I get that. Well, you know what you do? You don't play it. Yep. I'm sure there's probably lots of Germans who don't enjoy the fact that every World War II game features heavily you mowing down Germans or the Wolfenstein games for that matter. But you know what they probably right. do? They probably just don't play the game. But yeah. And that's another thing, you know, it's like, Wolf. Well, that's a good point. Like I hadn't even thought like Wolfenstein is literally alternate history. And like, if you've ever been to Germany or know anybody German, that is like a huge, like no, no subject. And like to say that, to insinuate that the Nazis won and they're doing like, that's, it's incredibly offensive to German people. And so nobody says shit about that. Right. Yeah. So I just, yeah. I mean, to be fair, part of that is, you know, the Nazis are one of the few groups in the history of the world that you can, you can point to them and say, objectively, these are bad guys and you should not feel bad for killing them. But it's, right? uh, so you're saying there can be a, uh, an emotional connection to a, uh, an insurgent that's fighting yeah. for, uh, for a regime well, as, well, as what I'm like, saying there's is, a difference there. I think what's going on with those guys, it could be a bit more complicated and perhaps a bit more subjective, but, but the Nazis are one group we as a, world has have agreed okay yeah you know what i mean we can point these guys say yep they were objectively the bad guys and we were objectively the good guys for fighting them when looking at the war on terror and all that it's a little bit more complicated um and that's i don't want to get into that deep political dive but that's but i get what you're saying yeah yeah people over there you don't know what they really had to go through that kind of swayed their mentality some of those joined those Al-Qaeda and some of those forces at very young ages of children and were mm-hmm. influenced heavily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I and, and taught to hate America um, growing up as children. And so I from that standpoint, yeah, I, I get what you're yeah. saying. And, and I can see where like, yeah, if I was an Iraqi citizen, it, it would it, it would probably be unsettling because a lot of those people, especially if they're in our age range, probably did see some real shit before they mm-hmm. left that country if they mm-hmm. left to go live someplace else and we could never step foot in their shoes. But it's like you said, just don't play it. And those, the thing is, is the majority of people complaining on Twitter for the cancellation of this game are not quote unquote Brown people or Iraqi people. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, hair dyed white people <laughs> that are complaining about wanting this game to be canceled. And it's like, you're, it's very, it's, it's selective outrage is all Mm. it is it's it's i'm gonna choose to be mad about one thing because a whole group of people are getting mad about it but i really haven't looked too far into that to to really give an opinion of why i'm mad that's that's Mm. what's happening too much and and to say that art shouldn't be exist and should be canceled outright is is insane like i get like if somebody was wanting to make a game about raping someone or something like that which do exist and are put on steam all the time by the way Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like nobody says shit about those games, um, yeah. but they're still, they are. And yeah, that's my point is they're out there. So 
why this game is not even out in the fact that it's generated so much hate. Um, yeah. Do you think it's going to release? I think it will. I sure hope it will. Um, I think it needs to, if nothing else, and to just let people know. It's like, no, you can't just disagree with something based off a two-minute clip and decide it can't exist anymore. I think the internet has gotten too comfortable with its ability to shut things down out of pure outrage and negative press. Mm-hmm. I know where I, the developer, I'd say, I don't give a fuck. I don't care if I only sell 20 copies and all that's to us and our family and friends. We're going to release this game because Doing it out we worked really hard on this point. game. And all these Marines and sailors we talked to put a lot of themselves out there for us to make this game for them. We're going to release it. Uh, God, that's... That'd be my opinion. But at the end of the day, it's all matters. All that matters to the people putting the money up is all they going to make their money back. I mean, it doesn't look like that's the case. It wouldn't surprise me. Certainly, if there was any kind of major publisher behind this game, it would have been canceled already. I mean, it already has been once, right? But it never yeah. would have got a second chance. But yeah, it's. I, I hope it does come out. I'm with you. I'm. I'm probably honestly, uh, depending on the price point, I don't know. Uh, but I'm definitely going to buy one copy. I would love to buy it for PC, Xbox, and PS5. Just, mm-hmm. just, just because out of out of sheer, you know, moral point at this point. Because yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't care. It could be trash, but it still deserves to be made. And yeah. it's it's like you said that the, the development team they've worked really hard on it, and they're trying to tell a story that the uh, these Marines need to be told. And what's wrong with them telling their point of view? And like you know, Rami Rami's got a ton of money. If if he wants to, he's a game developer. Go make that game. Go make the opposite of it. Go go make it to where it shows what happened, what or what you really think happened there. You know Even what I mean? You're Dutch and Egyptian and we're weren't anywhere near it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like go make it. Yeah. Go make it if that but but don't try to shut somebody else down from making it. And uh I think that's my point. I just hate cancel culture. I hate that uh it, it really is uh, affecting um video games now. I really never thought like it makes me wonder like if they're throwing a fit about a fucking five minute trailer from a basically indie developed a game. What are they going to say about GTA 6? It'll probably get great reviews from Kotaku. Oh, of course. That's going to be a, you know, 10 out of 10. <laughs> not the, I mean, that's the, the important thing is it's not... It's wrong, but it's not wrong in the right way. Does that make sense? That's what's, that's what's going to be up with GTA. It's not going to be wrong in a way that makes you look like a brilliant, super woke person if you have a problem with it. Um, yep. And that's what a lot of this is. It's all these woke white people for the most part who have no idea what they're talking about jumping on board something because some guy who also has no idea what he's talking about, but happens to be of middle Eastern descent decided he didn't like it. So do you, as, as, as a, as a Marine, does it, what is it? Does it affect you morally? I know me and you have talked off podcast about how your thoughts on the U S military and stuff. And you're not, you're, you're not by no means just going to sit here and, and, you know, right wing it and go, yee yee all day you know what i mean but like <laughs> yeah what because what, i know i know you as a person and i know how you feel about a lot of things um mm-hmm. but but how does this affect you as someone and new people that potentially died over there and were were friends and colleagues co-workers quote unquote mm-hmm. uh with people mm-hmm. that were there yeah like how does, how does the game itself affect me or just this whole controversy bullshit I guess both. I guess both. Yeah. Does it, would, would uh, the game, the game, would the game I think affect it's interesting. you? 
Yeah, I think it, I mean, it would certainly affect me more if I'd actually been there. I'd be very interested to see if some of the guys that were actually over there played it, what their opinions are. I can tell you from what I see there, like I said, just like that tension, that stuff they're able to capture, what it feels like to like actually be room clearing, to go from like these super bright to these super dark environments. And uh, this, like I said, like you knit on the head with like the sound design. It's just kind of eerie and you want to be loud. So everyone, your guys know you're there, but you want to be too loud. Cause you want to make sure you hear someone else walking up on you and all this stuff. Um, I know the guys I've talked to about it that I'm you know still in touch with that were over there. They think it's interesting. I, I doubt any of them will ever play it. None of them are really gamers at all. Um, I'm going to play it if nothing else, just to see what it, uh, how, they managed to make like that whole room cleaning element feel because it's a very unique kind of feeling uh, to be doing it in real life. Um, I'm also, I don't know. I, the controversy just it wears me out. It's just like, dude, at least give it a chance. And then, you know, I think if you look at it in terms of this is just a way for us trying to tell these guys stories and show them some respect for what was a very, very difficult time. And that's not maybe, maybe they weren't all automatically war criminals and murderers and all that stuff. Maybe they were just Marines and sailors who had a mission to do and try to do it to the best of their ability without getting anyone hurt. That's always a goal at the end of the day. But when you show up and there's dudes who want to fight you and get in a gunfight with you, you kind of got to do what you got to do to get home, you know? Yeah. I, mean, um, I would love any of these people to be put in one of those real life situations that are complaining about this. And and then like you have no room to talk. And especially if they want to do it from a documentary standpoint and that's your problem. Well then, you know, then, then you really need to shut the fuck up because they're, they're actually including props to the game developer for getting people that actually were there to sit there Mm -hmm. and tell stories. Like, I think that's awesome. Like you should show those people respect regardless of how you feel on the political spectrum. That's somebody that lives some real shit that you never want to experience mm-hmm. on either mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, it's it's kind of absurd. Um, but yeah, I think we could beat the dead horse over this uh, topic, which we kind of have. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I just kind of am over it. And uh, hopefully the yeah. game comes out. But uh, Matt, I am so glad to have you be a part of this podcast, Talk Video Games. Yeah, man, I am so glad to be here. I really hope I get to do this again soon in the future. Yes, yes. I think uh, Matt is supposed to be, uh, I think the next episode will be in the next week or so, and it will be featuring Kevin and Matt from everything that I'm understanding. So that will be a a very exciting episode to see. But uh, this has been Remote Gaming Podcast episode 23. We appreciate your time. Please be kind in welcoming Matt Horton to joining the RGP podcast. Uh, We will look forward to seeing you next week. I am Joseph King. And I'm Matt Horton. And we will see you next time.